Welcome to Today on Broadway for Wednesday, December 12th, 2018. I'm Broadway World's Matt Tamanini. I'm on my own today because James saw something last night. I can't exactly remember if it was a Broadway show or his daughter's band recital. It's one of the two. Same thing. I'm sure he enjoyed them both equally, if not the band recital more. Um, so I'm here on my own and we're releasing earlier or later in the morning on Wednesday, early uh, around 8.30, because there's a small embargo, not a huge embargo, but a little embargo that closes out the show today. So stay tuned for that. Okay, first up, oh, what a beautiful and weird and confusing and rage-inducing morning it is, because yesterday it was announced that the recent Daniel Fish-directed production of Oklahoma that played at St. Anne's Warehouse, which some might be calling sexy Oklahoma, uh, will be making the jump to Broadway's Circle in the Square Theater beginning on March 19th. The transfer will be a limited run that will play just through September 1st of this year. Now, no casting has officially been announced, but... The sold-out Brooklyn run starred Damon Duano as Curly, Rebecca Naomi Jones as Lori, Mary Testa as Aunt Eller, Ali Stroker as Ado Annie, Patrick Vale as Judd, and James Davis as Will Parker. Now, interestingly enough, uh, our friend Adam Feldman pointed out on Twitter that Damon Duano, playing Curly, originally played Orpheus in Hades Town, which is also coming to Broadway this spring, and Amber Gray, who plays Persephone in Hades Town originally played Lori in this production when it was, uh, I think it was back in 2015 with the Bard Summer Theater or whatever it was called back then. So some interesting swapping and who knows, because neither a cast of Town or Oklahoma has officially been announced for Broadway, perhaps there could be some more swapping. Could be fun. Anyway, now with this announcement, the only currently available Broadway theaters for this spring are the second stage owned Helen Hayes, where Torch Song will close in January, and the Nederlander owned Lunt Fontan, where Summer will close in just two weeks. We've speculated a lot about both of those, so we'll see what happens there. Of course, I have said in recent days that we should keep an eye on both the Brooks Atkinson and the Broadhurst, uh, but as of now, Waitress and Anastasia are still moving forward. Also, not for nothing, but at some point, I think we're probably going to have to talk about the prom at the Long Acre too, but I don't think we're there quite yet. I would expect announcements for both the Lunt and the Hayes fairly soon because people are going to want to start selling tickets, even if it's not until March or April. They're going to want these things to be on sale sooner rather than later. So as we've said, announcements could be coming at any day and at any time. So next up, here's a story that I really didn't expect to be talking about today because yesterday it was announced that Daniel Rudy Rudiger, the subject of the iconic college football movie Rudy, will come to Broadway for one night only with Dream Big Rudy Rudiger live on Broadway. The show will play the Manhattan Theater Club's Samuel J. Friedman Theater on February 11th. Tickets go on sale Monday if... For some reason, you want to throw your money away to see this thing. Um, I think that there are probably enough Notre Dame fans in and around New York to fill the house for one night only, but no offense, domers, but uh, Rudy's reportedly not a very good dude, so uh, as much as I love college football, I would be skipping this one. Okay, next up, I've got a couple of different uh, review roundups that I want to go through. First up, last night on Broadway, Reuben Studdard and Clay Aiken officially opened Reuben and Clay's first annual Christmas Carol Family Fun Pageant Spectacular and Reunion Show because uh, the show is only going to run through December 30th. And, you know, we've joked about this show quite a bit because it's ridiculous, but also we kind of like the idea of this show of having something come in for the holidays. 
despite the fact that nobody's paying for tickets, it didn't get awful reviews. Um, Elizabeth Vincitelli, one of our favorites, reviewed the show for the New York Times. Apparently, neither Brantley or Green wanted to see it. Uh, and she said, quote, Ruben Studdard and Clay Aiken don't reinvent the Christmas wheel in their holiday show. But who wants a new Christmas wheel? Mr. Studdard surfs over the notes like a sleigh effortlessly gliding over fresh snow. He's that good. Mr. Aiken is a less impressive singer, but a better actor. And at his best, he brings to mind a calmer version of Martin Short. I can see that. Um, she talks about some different things that she likes, but then she does say, this, mind you, is all in the zippy first act, and how much better the production would have been had it ended there. Unfortunately, it backloads all the sentimental stuff after intermission and has a tougher time dealing with the reflective spiritual side of the holidays than it did with the light, fun one, even if Mr. Stuttered's tribute to his late brother is quite affecting. Next, Charles Isherwood, writing for Broadway.News, said, quote, Toward the merciful end of Reuben and Clay's first annual Christmas show, gifts are exchanged. Out come the ugly Christmas sweaters, that cutesy sartorial staple of the holiday season. Unfortunately, those sweaters might serve as garish woolen metaphors for the show itself. You might smile indulgently at them for a bit, but pretty quickly, you just want to look away. Frank Sheck of The Hollywood Reporter said, quote, The show attempts to recreate the spirit of vintage television variety specials. Given that it captures the cheesiness of such endeavors, the evening, featuring high school-worthy production values, accomplishes its apparent goal. It even begins with a video of a Star Wars crawl, which brings back memories not of the film series, but rather its infamous offshoot, the Star Wars Holiday Special. If they're going for cheesy, the Hollywood or the uh, the Holiday Special from Star Wars is probably a good thing to shoot for. If you're not necessarily going for cheesy, probably not something you want to be compared to. So we wish them luck. Uh, I have a feeling that this will be seen in touring houses across the country next year, and I feel like that's ju just what this was as a loss leader, so that they can say straight from Broadway coming to a town near you in 2019. More power to him. Speaking of something that did not get great reviews, unfortunately, the new group's musical adaptation of Clueless opened last night at the Signature Theater. The show features a book by Amy Hackerling, who wrote the original screenplay and is directed by Kristen Hengie and choreographed by Kelly Devine. Disney Channel star Dove Cameron stars as Cher Horowitz. And the reviews, much to my disappointment, because I love this movie and I love Alicia Silverstone, who started it originally, and I really liked Dove Cameron, um, just not so great. Ben Brantley from the New York Times, after oddly confessing his love for the movie and its central character, wrote, quote, The perverse flattening process that too often occurs when two-dimensional films are translated into three dimensions of live theater has befallen Clueless as well. And don't blame its highly competent leading lady, Dove Cameron. As the latest incarnation of Cher, Miss Cameron has the poise and presence to anchor a show, and she sings and dances like a pro. Yet, in stepping into the heightened, smiley landscape of musical theater, Cher has perhaps inevitably acquired an extra, fatal degree of sparkle, and it pushes her from charming into cute, which I guess is a bad thing in Brantley's mind. The whole production, choreographed with a dutiful energy by Kelly Devine, suffers from a similar heightened twinkliness. It makes you appreciate how adroitly Miss Heckerling sidestepped caricature and preciousness in her film. Like its short-sighted matchmaking heroine who looks for love in all the wrong places, the movie exuded a delicately balanced aura of deadpan, self-delighted innocence. Apparently didn't happen on stage. 
Now, back to the mildly bitter Nicole Serator writing for the stage this time. Though the familiar characters in Central Romance remain in Amy Heckerling's musical adaptation of her hit 1995 film Clueless, the nostalgia factor is undermined by contrived lyrics, heavy-handed direction, and some very odd design choices. It feels more like a parody rather than an homage. The production has a winking self-awareness that eats away at the original's warm heart. Finally, Alexis Soloski writing for The Guardian said, quote, It would be easy then to see Clueless in a cynical light, as another attempt to cash in on younger Gen X slash older millennial nostalgia. I've never been sure if I'm a Gen X or millennial. I, it's very confusing. Anyway, back to Soloski. But Heckerling has always believed that Clueless should be a musical, with its candy colors and peppy rhythms the original practically qualified. Unfortunately, the road to Doll is paved with Heckerling's good intentions and her iffy follow-through. She hasn't really rethought the movie for this stage. She has kept the dialogue and structure more or less intact. There are still so many scenes set in cars. Yeah, that's never good for a play. Movie fan, unless it's driving Miss Stacy, of course. Movie fans will hear all of their favorite lines as if, way harsh, you're a virgin who can't drive, and see most of their favorite outfits. From my perspective, this is Matt, not Slosky, it seems like what they were trying to do is blur the line between something like the parody musicals that we've seen recently, uh, not only off-Broadway with kind of like the goofy, weird ones, but the, the more earnest parodies um, from Cruel Intentions and things like that with a more traditional movie musical adaptation like Legally Blonde, and it feels like they lost the charms of both of those and the original movie in the translation, and that's really too bad because I think this could have been really something special. Anyway, moving on to a couple last bits of news. Next, yesterday, my favorite expectations-defying show, Beautiful, announced that it would be welcoming back its longest-tenured star, Chalina Kennedy, after the first of the year. Kennedy will return to the role of Carol King on January 3rd as the show prepares for its fifth anniversary on Broadway, alive and kicking, hoping for six or seven or eight. Uh, Abby Mueller will play her final performance in the role on December 30th. And finally today, the reason that we held the episode until 8.30, this morning it was announced that critically divisive yet audience-packing-in New York premiere of Lee Hall's adaptation of the film Network starring Brian Cranston and directed by Evo Van Hova, has been extended through April 28th, just a few short days after the Tony eligibility deadline. If you've been listening for a while, you know that since these dates were announced, we thought that this was something that would happen, so this is not a shock to us, and I still think that this lends credence to the idea that the upcoming all-female Glengarry Glenn Ross could be looking to take over the Belasco in late May, the date that it had originally said it was coming to Broadway. So, we will see if that announcement is upcoming, as well as some of the announcements for potentially The Lunt or The Haze or any other theaters that might become available. Should be a busy time for Broadway announcements here for the next few weeks of the holidays. Anyway, thanks so much for listening to Today on Broadway. Follow us on Facebook and Twitter at Broadway Radio, and you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Matt. I think James and I will be back tomorrow. Not guaranteed, because I said he's got a band concert or something. I just can't remember what days they are. Anyway, someone probably me, maybe with or without James. We'll be back to talk to you on Thursday. Have a good day.